Hello, and welcome to The Amy Edwards Show. I'm your host, Amy Edwards. We're here to transform our lives and become our best version, and then the next best version, and then the next best version, whatever that looks like. And I could not be more excited that you're here today because we have a fabulous guest. I know I always say that, but they're just so fabulous. And today is like, ah, I'm stoked. And before we get started, I just want to remind you that This is so incredible that you're even here for yourself. Every time you listen to something like this, you're doing it for yourself to transform and to show up for yourself. And that is just such a beautiful thing. So thank you to you and, you know, thank yourself because we're all in this together and trying to get better and learn from each other and raise our voices. So I'm so stoked today to raise the voice or at least do my part in raising the voice of Nita Bushan. I did not want to mess your name up. I want to get it perfect. Nita, I am so excited to talk to you today because you are an emotional health advocate. You are a best-selling author to three books and your fourth is coming out January 31st, which yeah, this will be out right before that. So uh, everyone has time to pre-order at thatsuckednowwhat.com. You are a fabulous speaker and an advocate for people to, I think, that one of my favorite phrases that you have is find the magic in the mess. That's so beautiful. And so I feel like I feel it in my heart right now. Thank you so much for coming today. And I'm so excited we get to do this in person. I know. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. Thank you. How long have you been in Austin? You know, it's actually, I'm celebrating my two year anniversary of Austin. Oh, wow. Of Austin winter. uh, As we're, you know, so you moved here during the pandemic or yeah, we did like kind of the tail end when Mm -hmm. it was, you know, 2021. Yeah. And, with, and you were pregnant maybe because oh, yes. you have two, two young children. Oh, yes. I was fully pregnant and talk about magic in the mess. <laughs> I mean, really. And I had a two year old and you had a two year old. So, uh, yeah, that's for, for those that, uh, spend time with toddlers. He was my, my Ari, my son was definitely in it. And then we moved away mm-hmm. from the only caretaker that he had ever known. Wow. Um, because we don't have family that live around us. And mm-hmm. so our nanny was like, became family. Her and her kids became our family pretty much. And he, we left her. And so we, I didn't realize that like he could have such a loss, you know, at like two. And, and, wow. and so that was a big transition because he did not like any of the other caretakers or babysitters or anybody. Like it was, it was a really, it was in a whole acclimation to a new school and at two, at, you know, where, where we were in LA, they didn't really have masks. And yeah. so he kind of got scared because everyone was wearing them here and you can't reason with a two-year-old. No, you two. cannot. No, you cannot. You could try. You could try. It's a futile exercise. Yeah. So, yeah. so we had to eventually pull him out. So there was a lot of restructuring. We just started another uh, project, which was another business at the time. And I was fully pregnant. And by the way, uh, we were also remodeling a home that we had just what? moved into. I know. Just, and, and add, just add more magic to the fire. Had you started working on this yet? No, but it was actually in the back of my mind. Well, yeah. Because I mean. my two-year-old had uh, tantrums and meltdowns every day to remind me that he's human. Yeah. And so, 
<laughs> and to also remind me, like, right. take a chill pill, mom. And I was like, oh my gosh, why are there so many contractors in my house? And the funny thing was, is my husband is originally from India. And so he was not used to this, like, how do Americans actually remodel their homes? Because over there, everyone works really fast and you don't move in until it's all ready and done. <laughs> And here, you know, when the when the guys are telling you, yeah, yeah, it'll be done next week. And then, yeah, yeah, it'll be done He's two like, more weeks. Uh. <laughs> and, you know, you just couldn't work. So there were days where we would be staying at the, you know, the, the La Quinta across the street yeah. from our house because you can't breathe. And it, it brought up a lot of, you know, just triggers, activations, mess in our marriage, in our relationship, in our connection. It was, it was probably a, it was a, it was a tough time. We were in the fire for sure. And so did you just start to develop (laughs) new tactics of like dealing with life? There's nothing like becoming a parent really that's going to teach you new things. And cause like you've written books before and you know, but then you just open up this new part of yourself where you're like, holy crap, I have to deal with this person and. Um, the small person I created. This tiny little person. Well, mm-hmm. so this was, honestly, it was like the full beginning of this new walk because I'm like, all right, I've been through some hard stuff. I grew up with a lot of like darkness you, and Yeah, you had toughness. an abusive relationship too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, so, and we can get into that, but that was like my full awakening. Mm-hmm. And I had gone through a lot of losses. I, I lost my parents when I was young. And so that was a really big thing, but nothing really prepared you for the moment of just utter chaos which is probably why the subtitle came before the actual title how to embrace the joy and chaos and find magic in the mess yeah and finding magic in the mess was literally a mantra for me when I was going through my dark days of a divorce of leaving this very toxic relationship but then you add two-year-olds and chaos and moving and and just regular life happenings not like big t traumas which I'm definitely seasoned at but you know just life happenings into the mix and you're kind of like oh okay well that sucked no No way (laughs) yes and so to actually add a little sense of humor through the sometimes chaotic messiness that happens Mm -hmm. in our life where you can't just sulk in a corner and cry, but you just have to like laugh at it because it is kind of hysterical and ridiculous at the same time. And so, but yeah, my journey hasn't always been embracing the joy and it hasn't always been, um, you know, uh, like embracing the fun out of it. Right. Cause Going through and losing my parents early yeah. on was definitely a How old big were you? season. I was so my mom battled cancer for about six years. Wow. Uh, starting when I was ten. Oh my gosh. And so she was in and out of remission, and she died when I was sixteen. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it was a really tough. It was I'm so sorry. So That's like, tough. Yeah, I've, I've lost both my parents, and oh, so I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm just sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I was older though, and just like having kids that age too, I'm like, like, mm. it's just it's hard no matter what age you are. So I think 16 so. is like, oof. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and. Obviously, you don't know because you're like the only person in your friend's group that's losing a parent. Right. <clears throat> and then going through this season of darkness where you're also a teenager and you, you know, like boys and you want to go to concerts and you want to do go to the mall because going to the mall was, you know, a thing back a then. A thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... 
but I had to go to the hospital and I had to stay in an ICU room and I had to um, do my homework and, and, and perform for the nurses because they thought it was fun and, and perform for my mom because she couldn't come to the piano recital or the ballet or mm-hmm. whatever. And so I was the oldest of two younger brothers and that really started my trajectory of like caretaking. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, but also okay, you know, this idea that like life is tough and it's not supposed to be easy and it's not supposed to be fun or maybe it's fun, but there's a lot of sadness going on. Mm -hmm. And I felt like there's this big dark cloud of sadness. So, so this period of time where I would enter, you know, so much trauma began at 16 when I lost my mom. And then a year later, we, I lost my brother to an asthma attack. And so it was almost immediately to the day, a year later, my mom dying. And that really took us for just, it shook our core. How could it not? I mean. I mean, how could it not? You I know? mean, it, it set my dad into like extreme depression, losing two people that he loved within a year. So it was major trauma. And for us, I think it was just, we were in that period of survival. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't. There was, there was nothing else. It was like one foot in front of the other, you know, and, and it was as if you're in this really dark tunnel. And then two years after that, um, my dad got, you know, it, we, funny story. Well, funny, not funny, but, uh, we were just starting to get out of our, you know, like grief bubble and starting to come out and see family members and, you know, being brought up in a Filipino Indian uh, environment, you're, there's a lot of family weddings and a lot of like weddings is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so we were preparing to go to our first family wedding um, after all of this darkness. And so <clears throat> my dad had silver gray hair. And so we're like, Pa, let's go dye your hair because maybe there are some women there that are single, sure. you know. Mm-hmm. And so we dyed his hair. It was a box dye. And all of a sudden he like swells up like a puffer fish. And literally I get this like feeling in my chest and in my stomach of like, you know, that feeling that, oh my God, something bad is going to happen. And because it was just PTSD and lo and behold, we had to rush him to the hospital and they did all of these like weird tests, you know, because they're like, well, it's not really, it's, he's allergic, but let's just do these routine tests. Well, it turns out that they found that he was stage four lung cancer and there was an inoperable tumor and I nearly lost my shit that day. Um, I was screaming and yelling at the doctors, you know, thinking at like my 18 year old self, you know, had so much voice and opinion and they should listen to me and that they were lying. And cause my dad was in the best shape of his life. Um, but as we know, when we're in the healing journey or what I know about it now, the lungs is connected to grief and there was a lot of this unprocessed, unresolved grief. And with my brother, with oh, sure. him yeah. losing his mom and him giving his lungs out. he's got out. two kids left to, and to care so, for. so, yeah. So, so there was that, that grief and, and, and 10 months later, yeah, he, he transitioned 10 months later. So before I'm 20, I have my youngest brother who's 15 who's now, uh, who is under my caretaking. And I entered my 20s with this wrath of like, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just overachieve and overdo and and overcompensate. Mm -hmm. And so that was a tough time. Yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, and did you give yourself any time to even, well, I mean, you can't make sense of those things, but to grieve, like, or was that something that came later? So looking back at it now, I think that for, you know, any young person or anybody who's listening to this, who has people going through, um, their, that sort of grief journey, I think that you do the best you can. Cause again, you know, I mean, like I was in survival mode. Yeah. So, and the caretakers, the teachers, like think about the school principals, people were worried that we were going to do something to ourselves, either my brother or myself. So it was almost checking the box of, okay, you're going to go to therapy. You're going to go to this, like Mm -hmm. where you're going to draw out your feelings. I mean, I didn't go as deep into my healing until a decade later. Mm-hmm. where I would find myself in this soup of chaos in my love life because I was just trying to crawl out of the pot that I was in of this darkness and mess. And so part of it was, you know, at times I was working three jobs. I mean, I think the one thing, the two things that really saved me in my young adult life entering in my 20s was dance because I still kept the love of, dance routines, you know, and, um, Indian dance, Indian classical dance, that was kind of a a core thing for me and performing hip hop dances. So that was a big thing for me. I was also playing the piano. So music and kind of that sort of performance was healing and friendships. And that was my, that was the through line, but my full healing journey wouldn't start until a decade later at almost 30. I was 20, 28 or 29, where I thought I fell in love. I found my partner. I went to dental school. I Mm -hmm. did really well. And I bought my own practice, one of the few women in my class and one of the few people in my class to graduate and, uh, and, and buy a practice right away after school. And that did really well. It was seven figures. So all of these achievements and things on the outside were really attractive looking. It was mm-hmm. even like, wow, she made it. All family yeah, and friends. Yeah, you're checking boxes all over the place. Aunt, aunts and uncles, everyone was checking boxes. <laughs> it's true. It's just, just like, let's just go, check. let's go. I had a big home. I mean, lived in this fancy place in Chicago, in the city. And so, uh, but I was completely lost. I felt like I didn't know what my purpose was. I felt like... I had been living such a lie and I felt like that there was, uh, that I wasn't, I was a fraud, that I wasn't really being truthful because truthfully I was in an abusive relationship. I had sacrificed my desires, my wants, my needs, and I was living in fear and things had to get really bad before it got better. And December 31st, I walked out on my, uh, on my marriage. And so Um, but it didn't come without its ups and downs. I mean, I literally looked in the mirror that day and for the first time in probably a decade allowed myself to fully break down and dry heave and fully cry and let all of the emotions that I had been holding in so tight because I felt like I had to keep the peace of my family, keep the peace of everything together. But I couldn't hold it in anymore. It was just like bursting at the seams and it had nowhere else to go. I couldn't shove it under a rug. I couldn't put it back in a closet. Mm-mm. I mean, and those breakdowns are important moments. 
Yeah. And we don't allow ourselves to we don't. do them. We don't. I had one when I was leaving my first marriage. I'm divorced twice. Oh. And I remember the day. <laughs> thanks. I remember the day having that breakdown though. And I can remember like flopping myself on the bed. And I was like, I think I'm having a nervous breakdown. And, but I let it out. And then I knew I had to make change, mm. you know, and that was really cattle catalytic is that the word it was a catalyst like yeah right Right. cataclysmic no maybe maybe yeah okay that sounds right both of them (laughs) we'll take both (laughs) um so yeah so does uh, you know we just passed new year's does it does it hold like do you like have like a moment on that day because how how many years ago was that that was 11 years ago 11 years ago okay and so absolutely i mean i feel like every day around new year's and you know i i've had my fun times of new year's and all of the things but when this was happening you know fireworks was going on and it like people were you could hear people the joy of people's faces like screaming and laughing Mm -hmm. and outside and i was in chicago at the time and so there definitely used to be a lot of those triggers and and really I wanted a cocoon and retreat back to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's like a celebration of, okay, celebrating my voice and yeah. celebrating literally a new year, literally another, and you know, well now with little babies, I mean, we were, we were off to bed at like 9 PM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's really a kind of a reclamation time at the end of each year, just celebrating, wow, how far I've come. And also to see, because every year, I mean, there's at least, if not a dozen or two dozen or three dozen people that come out of the woodwork and say, hey, I've also, I've had something similar that has happened to me too, or I just left, or I just shared my voice, or I just came out of the closet, or I just left a really big thing that I completely hated. So people really honoring their magic and their mess. And I'm so grateful that my own story has been able to inspire so many people, I'm sure as yours as well. And it's been, you know, it's a 11 years later, right? So right after I left my marriage, I went into full like the breakdown mode. And to your point of allowing and actually for the first time asking people for help. Because for so many years, I was afraid to ask for help. I didn't know how to ask for help because in my culture, we're taught, okay, you know, you're like, keep those things to yourself mm-hmm. and don't let anybody in. And you're kind of like, well, why? What are they going to do? <laughs> you know? yeah. like, what happens what, then? <laughs> what happens when you be vulnerable? You know, it's that old paradigm mentality of like, we have to be strong. Well, okay. Well, what if we're not? And that's okay. Cause we're all human. And guess what? When we release our stuff, we may build a bridge cause somebody else is also sharing that they're probably having a really tough time with something. I know nobody's strong all the time. No, doesn't even exist. No, oh it gosh. doesn't exist. It's a, it's a perfectionistic idea and that's uh, a fallacy. Uh, recovering perfectionist. Same. Oh gosh. Same. Yeah. I mean, I still slip into it and, and that, I think that's why I love these, t- the subtitle, you know, the joy and chaos and the magic and the mess. Cause that's a ongoing practice for me. Same. Yeah. Same. And I don't know about, do, do you find that you also attract people that need to heal that in themselves? Because I feel like <laughs> I'm with, some, yes. And I'm, and plus I'm with someone now in recovery, you know, mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. 
but yes, yes. Yeah. And it's, I feel like that's the, that's the mission because I've attracted a, a lot of people. I mean, either folks that I work with or, or team members or friends even that are so, they, they carry the perfectionist tendencies of, of where I used to be. And it's almost as a mirror, like, ah, oh, don't yeah. want to go back there. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know what you used to do, you know? <laughs> and I even start to see it in my, my, uh, my son now. Of, of like, oh, wait, I, I used to be like that. Yeah. No. Am I passing that down? And then you're kind of like, well, actually, no, that's that's their own. That's their own journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not all about me. That's their own journey. <laughs> yeah. Let them do their thing. But it's a great mirror to see, oh, OK, well, that's that's where they're at. And then this is where you're at. You're on the other side of that. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's also a reflection to see, oh, oh wow, OK, maybe maybe it does come up still. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that we just have to like tame. So it's a, it's a conscious taming, I think. I think it's a conscious taming. I love that phrase. There you go. It's part of your next book. There you go. Y'all, I have started using higher dose products and I am such a fan. You know, I don't put anything on this podcast that I am not 100% completely behind. And I have a special discount code for you for all higher dose products. I'm so excited. If you don't know, Higher Dose is a wellness company. They have wellness tech products, they have tools, they have supplements, and they have body care. They have so many things that are hot right now, too, that are really biohacking and up-leveling our lives at home, which is really cool. They have an infrared sauna blanket. They have an infrared PEMF mat that I'm so excited to be sharing about soon. One of my favorites, though, is the red light face mask. It stimulates collagen, it activates glowing skin, reduces fine lines, regenerates cells, and it's soft. It's not like one of the hard plastic ones, so you can kind of move it around on your body, which I've been doing, and I am seeing amazing results. I am absolutely addicted to it. I use it every single night, and I'm using it in conjunction with one of their other products, the Glow Serum, and I'm very picky about what I put on my skin, and I am loving the Glow Serum. It's specially formulated to plump and hydrate and stimulate radiant skin, which that's the goal. They have a ton of other products too, magnesium ingestibles, magnesium body care, which has a healing oil and a serotonin soap that you can use in your bath, which I've been using too. It boosts your mood, enhances your skin and deepens your detox, gets you calmed down. Anyway, I'm a fan. So I'm so excited to offer you 15% off using my code MAGIC15. Go to the show notes. You can click through on the link right there. Or if you go to Higher Dose, just enter the code MAGIC15 and you'll get 15% off. Higher Dose has been featured in Goop, Glamour, Elle, Vogue, Bizarre, Allure, basically you name it. And there's a reason why. So go check it out. It's at higherdose.com and enter my code MAGIC15 for 15% off. Are you ready to up-level your pleasure practice? I have in mind, and the main things that have helped me are the tools that I've found from Wands. Wands creates luxurious products that encourage us all to honor our body, celebrate our sexuality, and live in pleasure with more pleasure all the time. One of my favorites, if you listen to this show, then you probably already know, is the cervix wand. Wands has trademarked their number one best-selling glass pleasure wand. It's for vaginal and anal de-armoring, and it's designed for cervical and G-spot stimulation. And let me tell you, it's incredible. It's helped thousands of women become more connected to their bodies and their pleasure, and supports them to heal pelvic pain through self-yoni massage, and helps awaken more pleasure. 
Just recently, I've ordered the Venus Wand, another trademarked wand from Wands, and it's designed to activate and awaken the G-spot and more. Also, don't miss one of their new offerings, which are free bleed blankets that can be used as waterproof intimacy blankets. They have a beautiful selection now available. But take a look around at wands.com, that's W-A-A-N-D-S, because they have a huge selection of incredible items like yoni eggs, crystal pleasure wands in amethyst, black obsidian, anything that your heart desires, and so much more. Check them out at wands.com, that's W-A-A-N-D-S dot com, and use my link in the show notes to get 10% off, or simply enter my code, Amy Edwards, at checkout. Again, that's W-A-A-N-D-S, wands.com. Consciousness. Yeah, because it is, and you know, you just can run yourself into the ground and not only get so exhausted, but just be miserable, especially with kids if you're trying to make it perfect. Oh, gosh. It's so not fun that way. And I've learned that the hard way many times. And I still hear stories of other people doing it. And I'm glad I've loosened up. Sometimes I'm wondering, does it come a lot with age? You know, is it experience? I think it's a combination of factors. But um, And life experience. And too. life experience, yeah. And which and, you what, have a ton. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so what, like, where'd this title come from? Yeah, so this title actually was birthed when I had my, when I entered the foray of motherhood. So yeah. a newsflash, fast forward, I did find love again. Oh, yes, uh, right. I did, I did, I did find um, my own magic in the suck of dating and honestly trusting myself in in the aspect of dating. And, and even, you know, this is a practice for me to, there's one of the concepts that I talk about in the book called the bounce factor. And there's four aspects to it. But the one that I really lean into is our emotional capacity to feel and to allow ourselves to really feel the depths of our emotions. So to feel that sadness, to feel the guilt, to feel that jealousy even. And what is that actually revealing to us? Because for so many years, as you could imagine, I shoved all of those under Mm -hmm. a rug and distracted and buried and numbed. And, you know, I think that that really helped me when I was ready finally to let love in again. And I, you know, did all of the things that everyone could possibly do in terms of dating. But I think the, the one thing that I was so convicted on that kept coming up for me as like a lesson, whether it was people I was dating or people that I would meet just randomly either because I had traveled to 45 different countries and started spending time with different people in their walks of life and seeing what they viewed as success. And this was actually for my very first book, Emotional Grit. And I would meet very interesting people. And sometimes I would meet people that would be like, oh, okay, that there we go. Love, romantic interest. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But I'd still be in my head and I would judge our connection and I would judge, uh, okay, is that person, is there a red flag? So I would always look for like the bad thing that could be a sign that this mm-hmm. wasn't going to work out because I think I was just fearful and scared. So until I reframed that to actually have and stretch my capacity to feel all of the feelings, like, and especially with my now partner, Ajit, I, there were times where I'm like, oh, okay, I, I do feel, I feel scared. And I also feel nervous. And oh, wait, those two things can coexist all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I actually feel 
reserved, but also curious. So again, allowing all of those feelings, but also if I wanted honesty, I needed to be honest. If I wanted my partner to be vulnerable, I needed to be vulnerable first. And so that was a big mantra for me in terms of, all right, how I was going to let love in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I met my now husband who is an incredible co-pilot and uh, we we had some babies, and so <laughs> and so and everything happened so fast. And and but fast forward into now the duality of like my own darkness and hardships and crazy walks in life. Fast forward into motherhood. I never. I was going to ask that. Yeah, yeah, and I never appreciated the duality of of life and the other side of the spectrum when you're not in it and I'll give you an example because I had an experienced and I'll tell you a very quick story but after I had my son there were so many conflicting emotions that I had because I didn't have my mom so that brought up a lot of grief and a lot of like well, I can do this on my own. I guess I don't need her. You know, so I was like angry and upset and frustrated. I had my aunt who has been my cheerleader. She's been my bonus mom. Is that your mom's sister? My dad's dad's sister. sister. My dad's sister, Bua. And she's been such a tough love with me, but she was there at the birth of, of, of both kids. And specifically with my son, where I had all of these conflicting emotions and my mother-in-law as well was also there. Um, bless her heart. She came from India. Wow. And so we had a whole trio, but I could not receive. And I pushed both of them away. And I almost wanted to make them feel so bad. And it was uh, my perfectionist tendencies. Again, it like rose like a lion. Did all this kind of surprise you about yourself? <sighs> you know, because you've done so much work. You've written these books. Like you, you speak out. You're vulnerable and all these things. So were oh you a little God. bit like... No, huh, look at me. What am I doing? No, I was, I, I was like, am I really like, I'm crazy. Oh my gosh. I'm crazy. <laughs> the thing that they say about postpartum, it's so true. You become so crazy. And I mean, it was, it was literally emotional capacity on fleek. Like it was just another level. My husband and I, my husband had never seen me in this way. He's like, what is going, how can I support you? And I just needed to except that, okay, my identity was slowly shifting and turning in in, Mm -hmm. in all of the ways that the perfectionist wound that I have of the worthiness underneath it. Am I worthy if I'm not perfect? Am I worthy if I'm not contributing? Am I worthy if I'm not taking care of everyone? Because this is the first time that I'm not taking care of people, that people have to take care of me. And I was self-sabotaging because I had never experienced so much overwhelming care. And in the Vedic traditions or in Ayurveda, after the there's like a 40-day sitting period, I didn't want to do that. And my the elders, usually the women in your family, they come and they take care of you and they like wash your feet and they, you know, they massage ghee all over. Literally, yeah. they put ghee in your ear and your hair and all, all of the things um, to, so that you can make milk and, and, and they're nourishing you. They're nurturing you. And it's only here where we're like, no, we'll do everything on our own yeah. and, and we don't accept help. Yeah. And, you know, so I was refusing and I needed to allow I, I needed to allow. And so that was, that was the thing. That was my confliction. And, uh, it was there where I was like, okay, this mantra literally dropped in and it was like, all right, that sucked. 
let's start over. Yeah. That's, and, and Ajit and I would do this constantly. All right. That sucked. Redo. Can we do a redo? I, I'm so sorry. I just, I, it, that was, let, let's do a redo. Uh, so that sucked. And now what? And that yeah. was, that was the mantra because in those first, you know, few months, I realized that my dark days were not the lump in the throat, the pins in the the stomach of like, oh my gosh, is something bad going to happen? It was a very different kind of of grief. You know, yes, I'm grieving the the loss of my identity before kids as a single woman, but it wasn't nearly as bad as what I had experienced mm-hmm. growing up. And that was the dichotomy. That was a, a huge difference. And then fast forward to, you know, six months later, I'm looking back at that postpartum time and I'm like, whoa, I was really in a dark soup. Yeah, things were really... And so we can't really recognize uh, the, the, the full spectrum of our emotions until many times we're on the other end of it, where we can look back at what we went through and say, oh, wow, okay, that really sucked. The way that I handled that or the way that I was like in my, in, in the book, I talk about a concept called the pity party of one, where we're in our victim state. Yeah. And many times when we <laughs> say, well, that sucked, you know, it allows us to be stuck in the suck. And I think for most people and most, you know, achievers and people that want to, you know, go get in this world, they're so used to like bypassing over the suck, like just jumping over. Yeah. Because they don't want, they, they don't want to sit in the suck. They don't even know how to embrace yeah. the full suckiness of the suck. And then we have, you know, the other side of people who stick and stay. Well, that's what I was thinking too. Like suck. saying that sucked is almost getting an awareness and you're stepping out. When you say this sucks, you're in it, right? And so this is actually, you know, not only is it past tense, but it's giving you a little bit of that awareness perspective where you can just step out just a little bit. Oh my God. Well, yeah. In the fourth part of my bounce factor is, yeah, no, no, no. Cause there's four parts, but the first is basically, you know, we've got to look at our upbringing, right? Mm -hmm. So looking back in the darkness that I experienced and then getting into, well, the current environment. So what are we going to do differently? And even just in the mantra of that sucked, Mm -hmm. it's acknowledging our radical self-awareness of, all right, well, that was shitty that I was in that. And how are we going to get out of it? So absolutely. So this was, this became a mantra. And every time a bad thing would happen, I mean, small or big, or, you know, we forgot to wash one of the bottles or, you know, it was like one of those things or uh, forgot a burp cloth. I mean, all of the things that go wrong, right? With in anything, but I'm using parenting as an example. Right, you think you're totally prepared and then like they throw a curveball and you're like, wow, didn't see that one. Didn't see that one. And I didn't see a lot of those things but you can say okay now what and when I talk about that sucked and now what it's it's the acknowledgement and saying it as one of our dear friends says say it out loud but it's saying it actually out loud well that actually sucked and and that's a trigger for us to accept the reality that we are in in the moment to then start moving past it yeah it's a really good one it's a really good mantra because it's so simple too like you can just go that sucked you know and we tend to at least me, I can make things way more complicated than they need to be. And distilling it down to something super simple, 
I have been a independent rock and roll artist in my early forties. And I remember I was working on a song that meant a lot to me and I, I had written pages and pages, right? And I was telling the producer, and he's young, and he was so cool, and he's, he's amazing, David Butler. Aww. And um, so I had written all this, and I tell him about the song and what I've written or whatever, and he goes, so you're just trying to say, like, we do what we want? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. And so, like, that became the refrain of the song, but it just struck me, like, so many times we can – make this like the chaos and all that you get wrapped up in like oh my god my thoughts are racing it's too much you know but if you can just simplify it down like okay that sucked and this letting go-ness of it yeah that there's not we're not holding on we're not ruminating well we're when, not... when you say that about you and your partner or i'm sorry your husband mm-hmm. saying that to each other just in these moments where you didn't handle it right or you weren't your best self like what a nice thing to like a agreement that you almost have with each other where you're like okay we can get a do-over when you say that sucked yeah oh uh, we i now started introducing it to my four-year-old yeah and so he's like oh, that sucked mama what like, a I know. service you're doing to him <laughs> For him. Not for him. him. Yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. So introducing it and, and making it fun and playful, which is why I love the title so much. Well, that yes. sucked. Okay, now what? Because it's allowing us to then not fully sit in the suck. And of course, I have an embodiment practice. I have, you know, these emotional release practices in the book to process some of those feelings when they come up. Nice. But holy, you know, we can actually look to the next chapter and say, okay, now what? Now mm-hmm. what are we going to do about it? Yeah, it's yeah. feeling it all like you were saying, like allowing all those human emotions to come forth. Is that hitting you? Absolutely. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, oh, we, could, we could even spend a whole other episode talking about just the full spectrum of human emotion. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the going back to what we had talked about before, like allowing ourselves to break down, mm-hmm. allowing ourselves, like, I don't know, we probably grew up in similar era of like growing up, we, you know, I was told, nope, big girls, big girls don't cry. Mm-hmm. You're, you're strong, you're tough, you're resilient, you're resilient. So for me, when I talk about resilience in yeah. the book, it is not just about being tough. And it's not just about like the mental toughness because yeah, okay, that, that comes without saying, but what I'm really talking about is the true meaning of resilience is resiliere. Like the, from Latin, it's to bounce, to To literally to bounce. bounce. That's the bounce. Well, I mean, I think of that analogy with the bamboo, you know, and how it doesn't break, you know, bends and not breaks. Okay. Well, so great Mm -hmm. example. So if we're going to use the example of bamboo, well, the bamboo has a sort of bend in it. Mm-hmm. It if if we take if we take you know a, a glass and we let it go on your beautiful floor, it's probably going to shatter in a million pieces. Now that same bamboo, if we try to break it, it's going to bend. It has a little bit of agility. It has a little bit of flex. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of softness to it. It's not brittle like glass. And I think that's the beauty of resiliency, resiliere in Latin is to bounce. And when we're allowing ourselves the softness, not just the toughness, but that they both can coexist at the same time and that we're, you know, not like so hard on ourselves 
if we're not doing a certain thing right or if it's not going as to plan, like that we can actually move and flow like to, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen like the Cirque du Soleil, the artists. Well, you know, when they're like up in the air and these aerial dancers and they have, you know, they're, they're catching each other, the trapeze artists, like Mm -hmm. best example, but they have this beautiful flow with each other. Why, why can't that be a metaphor for our resiliency? They have to be able to be agile and move and catch one another so that they don't fall. Imagine if they were all stiff. Oh gosh. (laughs) Weird. We we wouldn't want to watch that, right? At all. That wouldn't be fun. We would be cringing. So we should cringe at ourselves when we're that. Well, maybe we shouldn't. We, you know what? That's the thing too. When we are that hard, can we allow ourselves grace to you know absolutely now I'm, I'm so glad you caught yourself like this is this is it that that's the beauty of it mm-hmm. right and yeah. and and yeah would being rigid be good for anyone probably not but mm-hmm. is there a space for it possibly but can we add more of that bounce factor right to it I mean just recognizing those moments when you perhaps are rigid you know especially with your kids or whatever because those are the times they're going to show up to when you know, they're throwing a fit or whatever. And you're like, let me get a hold of this. It's not that big a deal. Oh, it's so true. And if we are rigid with them, they're going to persist. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So they're going to soften us up yeah. pretty fast. And now you have a one and a half year old and a four year old. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that has been, that has been fun mm-hmm. and chaos on a whole new level. And, you know, for the moms in the room, I think you'd obviously appreciate the subtitle to the joy and chaos because it really is, you know, I, my husband and I, Ajit and I, we have been very clean people and very (laughs) particular in what we want in our space. And Mm -hmm. I already, you know, as a mom, you intuitively know what you're getting into in this like next evolution of yourself or how your home is going to be laid out. And when we moved to Austin, and and my husband comes from a very different perspective, very different um, way of living. He was was born and raised in India and then lived in Malaysia for about 10 years of his life. So coming to the U.S. was very different and also with children. And and so it was really interesting. Well, we're going to have a toy room and the toys, and he's like, no, 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 we're not having any toys. And we're like, okay, just wait, wait and see. Just wait and see. You know, it's so funny. They have to learn experientially. And now I just Mm -hmm. talked to him the other day. I'm just like, okay, so remember when you used to say no toys in the house and now we have like three different play play areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so that's the the bounce factor, allowing ourselves a little bit of grace and, you know, the idea that we can kind of make fun of ourselves in the process as well. And because the, so I talked about, you know, the upbringing Mm -hmm. of the bounce factor and how high you can bounce. And, you know, the second thing is your current environment where what are we allowing ourselves exposure to? Mm -hmm. Like, are we, you know, are we just staying complacent? Are we actually committing to some sort of change or changing our environment or changing the way we, you know, do things or, you know, like yourself, you started a, a rock band. I, I just sort of said yes to some friends and then 
One thing led to another. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I just got a new karaoke machine and I have not. You may have a music career ahead of you. You don't know. I (laughs) mean, it's so true. Yeah. We started, I mean, I wanted to strengthen, you know, the, my, my vagus nerve as Mm -hmm. like a, you know, as, as a way for calming the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And, and for those who don't know about vagus nerve work, it's basically the one nerve that runs throughout our entire body. And when we activate it, and we can activate it through singing, through humming, through chanting. And many times when we're doing mantras, it's why a lot of times people, when they're meditating, they will chant and they will om. And, and there's a reason why we're, you know, because we're, we're vibrating and we're allowing our vocal cords to open up so that we can actually invite the rest and digest uh, nerve to activate, which is part of the vagus nerve, mm-hmm. um, instead of being in fight, flight, or freeze, uh, which is kind of our, our, our primal brain whenever we're in fear. And so one of those things that I did was I got, and by the way, I thought it was fun to do with kids. And so I got these, like this microphone that on Amazon, you can get it for like 20 bucks. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. You know, the mm-hmm. one it's like, it's got, it, it's got the echo uh-huh. and it's got like a thing on the bottom. So yeah. it does all different things. Oh, it's yeah. fun. They're amazing. And they are, they think it's the best toy because their voice projects mm-hmm. and they can say all of these things. And so we've been practicing our singing. So maybe I'll come out with an album or something who knows yeah so there's not only toys everywhere there's just noise there's just like (laughs) racket everywhere yeah so it's literally the joy and chaos it is Uh, my kids are the loudest the they're not as loud anymore because they're teenagers but they were really loud for a really long time how how does your brain function how's your brain like do you find that you have more chaos in your brain and so you look for order in your outside environment and I'm asking because I kind of do that. Oof. And um, I didn't realize that about myself until recently. And that's been part of, like, my perfectionism is rooted in worthiness as well. But I think there's something to that as also. Oh, my gosh. I love that you're bringing this up because for me, for the longest time, like, I know I perform like I'm a high performer, which means that I can have many different tabs open. That's how I thrive and there, there needs to be some order to my madness uh, because if there isn't order for me, it's like I, I can't function. Yeah. There's so, so actually, I don't know if you have done Myers-Briggs or. Yeah, sure. So I, I now, ever since I entered motherhood, I have to like J, I have to be a J. Wow. Because everything's got to be planned and scheduled and if it's scheduled, then we can actually have the freedom. And I always think that, you know, that's kind of the boundaries that I have for myself mm-hmm. because like the house can't be chaotic and my internal brain can be chaotic. No. That's, that's where I can't, like the, I have a lot of trouble with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. But I always have. Like, I would have to clean my dorm room before writing a long paper. Same. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. same. I mean, I... Well, I, never... I heard that's a thing, because my daughter can function in this messy, messy room that she's got. But I heard that, like, it just started to dawn on me, too. Like, people's brains work differently. Duh. Yeah. But she's able... She doesn't have as much going on in her brain. She's able to function in a messy environment or whatever. And I'm like... Interesting. I know, right? Oh, wow. And so I just was curious if your brain was like that. But what you just voiced was, like, how I feel. Yes. Oh, totally. 
But I mean, it's not to say that we probably can give your daughter some, you know, different tools. <laughs> yeah. She <laughs> could clean up her room. <laughs> I, I cannot get her to. I mean, oh she's, but she's dyslexic and has ADD and has some other, her brain just functions differently. And, and she's very musical. And so I'm like, all right, you know what? She gets her stuff done. So I'm yeah. like, all right. Oh, I don't know. Man. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess it's something to be like to appreciate for sure. I guess so. I guess and it's like this human wholeness. Everything's possible or so everything true. exists. I don't know. Well, it's, it's so true. And I was, I think there's varying levels to that too, mm-hmm. because now with my, with my husband, Ajit, he would think that I'm messy and he would think that I am, I'm like, everything's all over the place because he is extremely. Wow organize I mean he's a Virgo so it's so like so oh you my. are a Virgo oh my god okay well see there's varying levels to that so maybe your daughter's mess is not really messy it's maybe just your I'm gonna show you when we when okay, we back okay. <laughs> you're gonna be like it's messy <laughs> no yeah I, I am a Virgo too so I've got that going as well. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, 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 there goes the lessons there, right? <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> what, um, since writing this, like, what did it teach you? Mm. Yeah. So even in writing this. How so, long did this take you? Uh, oh, gosh. Well, f- so really quick and funny story. So I knew that my, the journey of this book um, I knew that it was going to get birthed in one way or another. I've written three books before that. And I think for me, I wanted it to land, especially for moms, especially for women, especially for women in business, you know, to be able to call in whatever the next thing that you're looking forward to is after the sucky moment, after the thing that didn't go well, after the thing that you didn't know that was going to happen, but it actually did happen. (laughs) And, and I was playing around with this idea of like brave conversations and, you know, having more brave ways to show up because during this time we were also, you know, pandemic and things were restricted. And so for me, this book has been just a concept in mind. And I started out with the podcast first. Which I forgot to mention at the beginning. I apologize. The Brave Table is your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's been such a fun ride. But even so, even before that, while we were just having brave conversations, in our home, in our dinner table, literally. Um, when I gave birth to my daughter, so literally it was two days after I gave birth, it's when I sold my book to a publisher. And it was this publisher that's been on my like vision board for years, Hay House. Uh, and literally I, I felt like I knew in some intuitive way that I was going to manifest that. So that's like a whole you know story in and of itself. But two days right after I, I'm literally in the hospital and they're going to release us and I get a call from my agent and, and they're like, well, yeah, they're, this, is, this is what's going on here. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I wrote the book the same time my daughter was, was born. So I took two months off for mat leave and then I had a, I, I had a whole different process in writing this book because I wanted to channel and speak out the book. And so every week I would have meetings with my editor 
where she's interviewing me on different concepts that I kind of just wanted to like get out. And so it took me then from there six months to fully finish writing the book Mm -hmm. and then another six months to go back and rewrite or figure out another way to say certain things. So, you know, a, a year to have it all kind of, yeah. So this is, this has been a year and a half uh, of work actually. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, of, of, of just putting it all together. I'm just thinking, I'm like, it's amazing. Oh my gosh, this is the first time I actually like thought about it. I'm like, yeah, it took a year and a half to put it all together. <laughs> Thank you for asking that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know books take a while. So having a baby and just putting, putting those like timelines together, I was like, that's no small feat. Like, no, but I, so I will say this though, I was in my creative, most juiciest element when I was, cause it was like real time. It's like real time teaching. Like, oh my yeah. gosh, I'm in the chaos of the soup of a newborn and my two year old, like two, he was two and a half and it was, you know, crazy transition in our family. Our house just got remodeled. We had just moved from, you know, from LA. So there were so many things happening all at the same time. And it was literally the, the lessons that I, I learned were definitely to, to, to play, you know, and there's a concept in my book called fly forward. So I just flipped open to that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's three parts of the book and the first part is, you know, the magical moment of suck, right? Mm -hmm. We get into the victim mentality. (laughs) I talk about a concept called, you know, the, the entitlement and, and privilege, uh, that, you know, we all have or desire and the difference between entitlement and privilege. And because when we're in our, you know, victim mode, sometimes we feel like we need to be entitled because we have a story and we, you know, or, or we want things, but it it definitely comes from a place of lack. And so then the next uh, phase of the book is the bounce factor. So what we were just sharing about Resilier and, you know, how to bounce even higher many times, but, um, then we get into the final part of the book, which is to fly forward. And, you know, when we're having our moments that sucked, many times we'll have a fall. And the fall might take us back and might trigger us. We might go into a pity party and a victim spiral of like, why me? Um, or we might learn that with every bump, you know, it gets less and less and less, you know, bumpy mm-hmm. uh, because we've been through it a couple times. Yeah. And we, that's where we build our resilience. We have our cushions, you know, on our, the, the, the pads on our, on our butts now that like yeah. ease the landing. Right. And so when we get into that last stage of flying forward, we are acknowledging that there will be many falls, but every time can we rise again? And when we rise, um, you know, step three is like, can we magnify and magnifying what, can look different in our life. So whether we're starting out something new, like a new venture, a new singing career, (laughs) uh, maybe new ways that we can organize our room, Mm -hmm. uh, or even speak to our kids. I think that, you know, that's when we can get into thriving, which is there's five parts. So there's, there's a fall, there's the ignition, which is step two, which is, are we going to make a decision? Are we not? Are we going to have that conversation? Are we not? Are we going to just, uh, are we going to do that thing? Are we going to make the trip to Europe or, or having or that not? spark, right? You know, it's just the yeah. spark for something. And then yeah. the rising part is being comfortable with the uncomfortable 
and saying, okay, I'm going to suck at this, but maybe it might just be a good thing because I won't have any expectations if it goes well or not. And then find, I love that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then finally, you know, then we get into, you know, magnifying where we're building consistent habits that get us on that train of, of, of full growth and then leaning into thriving and thriving means that we might still feel the duality of those feelings and we might still have a fall, but now we're making it about what other people experience in our impact. So we start the podcast or we start volunteering at an organization or we start volunteering at our kid's school or take a new position somewhere where we're creating more impact with the contributions that we want to make. And we're understanding that the moments that suck a part of our humanity. Yeah. It's like just a wider perspective. And they add to our, you know, our connections with other people as well, if we're willing to be open to to sharing that as well. Can I just ask something that you mentioned that I want to like go back to really quick is uh, you said victim, being a victim comes from lack. I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. I think of it as not taking responsibility for your life a lot, you know, or for whatever happens to you. But um, how do you see that? Like the yeah. Of- so so when we're talking about entitlement, okay. Yeah. So so victim per se, when we're stuck in our victimhood, it's mm-hmm. it's we we we're we're saying that we don't have a lack of choices. There's a lack of choices, right? That we're not, Oh, that's good. Right. And, and if we're getting out of the victimhood, we're actually making a choice to Mm -hmm. think differently, do something different, um, get out of our comfort zone. It's getting out of the complacency that we're in. And you're in this blame thing. Like you did this to me, but really I had a choice, you know, like I had a choice. In fact, Justin just did something yesterday and he acted like he didn't have any choices and it was my fault. Mm. And I walked over to him and I said, I'm saying this with love, but that was a victim mentality. Uh, But that totally makes sense. He was acting like he had a lack of choices and he did not have a lack of choices. And then the entitlement comes in thinking that, okay, got to speed up, you know, uh, take the, take the shoulder because there's a lot of traffic to get off the ramp or, you know, it could, (laughs) you know, it could could look like, and we've all done this, right? We've all been guilty of our entitlement, right? Yeah. I'll feel like the rules don't apply to me. The rules don't apply. I'm so embarrassed. Well, it's so true. We've all done it or or like getting to the airport and I've done this too, but like getting to the airport (laughs) right when your flight is about to like board and you know, there's this long line. You know, yeah. yeah. Can can I just can I just get through? We're talking to TSA to let you go through. Um, I bet you get through every time. It's so cute. But they're like, you come through here. <laughs> well, it's funny because I have this like gold jacket that I like. I love uh, it. It's uh, and, and so yeah. It's 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 so it is it, it's such a noisy jacket. But uh, yeah. I want one already. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the I link. Love, I love like flashy clothes. Oh, it's fun. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. We got off on a tangent, but yes, victim entitlement. That's where we were. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) I I think that with entitlement, many times we, you know, we don't, we think that there's not enough for everyone. Therefore we have to hoard. Therefore we have to compete. Therefore we have to put others down. Therefore it's just, it's, it's, it's a zero sum game. It's, you know, imagine if, if you were in a singing competition (laughs) and, 
there's only one winner, right? There's mm-hmm. only one winner or, you know, take the Olympics, you know, there's a, or even kids playing a sport, right? There's a winner and a loser. And so many times, even when we're young and with our kids, we're instilling this idea that like there is going to be a winner and a loser. And so the idea that, okay, if I've, I've been through a lot of losses, like our team didn't win all season, we should win this one, mm-hmm. right? Well, we're due, we're, you know? we're due to win, yeah. right? And, and yeah, of course we want the underdog to win. Like who doesn't? But really, there is just a winner and there is a loser. So if we're taking it in that context, then someone can grow up to believe that, well, I, I mean, it's it's my right. I should be yeah. versus asking, well, and taking personal responsibility and saying, okay, well, how can I get better at this mm-hmm. instead of just thinking like, oh, I lost the last five games, so I deserve to win this one. Well, of course, the other team deserves to win as well, but what's make you, what, what makes you so special in that? Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, that idea that I talk about in the book is very much appropriate when we're stuck in our victim mode because it's easy to then blame other people. It's easy to go in our spiral yeah. and mostly get stuck in the suck. And not only that, build, there's a, there's a whole chapter that I have around resentment and why we actually stay stuck in the resentment if we're not able to voice out our, our feelings and our emotions and to actually feel it. And not only that, take responsibility for the feelings that we have when we're in that suck. I'm, in st- I'm on step four <laughs> of a 12-step program. Oh, my god! In Al-Anon. So it's all about, like, resentments and taking responsibility. And, and some of them will be like, I don't have a role in this. And then I'm like, okay, let's get real. Because, you know, I'll be like, I didn't enforce my boundaries. I didn't, you know, whatever that is. Which one of the things that I want to touch on before we stop to is, since I brought that up, boundaries. Mm. You mentioned something about boundaries with yourself. Oh yes. And I thought that that was really interesting too. Cause, um, cause you were talking about earlier, you were talking about if, I want, if I'm dating and I want someone to be vulnerable, I have to be vulnerable. You know, we have to do that with ourselves too. If we want to, you know, be able to trust, we have to trust ourselves. And anytime you're doing the work on yourself and finding boundaries with yourself or, or telling yourself something, I'm not going to accept that anymore. If you do it anyway, then you're not even trusting yourself. So you can't even build that trust. So true. Yeah. Is that kind of what you mean by boundaries with yourself? Like what did you, Yeah. what do you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So making sure that you, let's just take, for example, you know, it's like the beginning of the year and everyone's making their, you know, their resolutions. Oh my gosh, I have lists. Right, like right here. <laughs> you know, all of the ways yeah. we want to improve ourselves, yeah. right? And so sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll say, okay, I, I'm going to actually, I, I want to wake up at 5 a.m. All right. So if we're going to use, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, you know, why do you want to wake up at 5 a.m.? Like what's, what's the reason why you're imposing that boundary on yourself? So that is a self, you know, inflicted boundary, which is great. But many times that necessarily doesn't happen because the intention is not there. The intention is like based on willpower. And so the willpower for me to wake up at 5 a.m. might last like uh, two to three days, maybe three weeks, maybe, you know, because that's willpower and that's just how it goes versus reframing that to say, 
I want to get up 30 minutes earlier, which means that I'm probably going to go to bed 30 minutes earlier. Mm -hmm. And okay, so you ask yourself, well, what does that mean? Well, that would mean that I'm probably not going to watch three episodes of he white Myth, mythic quest I'm yeah right now, mythic actually. quest mythic okay quest. white lotus right <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> emily in paris uh and so i'm gonna actually there's a timer that i have for myself and i'm gonna put myself to bed right yeah. so boundary for ourselves. another boundary for ourselves could look like well I want to be around more people that inspire me or I want to be around like-minded people more of that this year than yeah, I was last I year, love that. right? And so, okay, well, what is that going to look like? And and why do we want to do that? Well, I feel like I am more creative or there's something that gets lit up in me when I'm around people who are as creative as me or singing just like me or or whatever that idea is. Okay, well, what what are you going to do? All right, well, here's my boundary. I'm going to have conversations with two new people every week. And so, and the other boundary of, all right, I'm going to restrict the ones that actually are draining my energy, Mm -hmm. are keeping me stuck, are uh, not lighting me up or how I'm actually feeling after the conversation is not super juicy or yummy which is an indication that maybe that relationship is on its way out and to notice that. So when we're creating our own self boundaries, we want to make sure that, okay, are they like, what are they for? So let's get really clear in why we want them. Because another really interesting boundary that people have in the beginning of the year is I'm going to spend less. So what's the idea and the goal around it? Mm Mm-hmm. So do you want to save more? Do you want to invest more? So what's, so in, it's very easy to have boundaries around money because all we can, we'll just say, all right, I'm not going to, I well, won't. it's numbers too. It's, it's like. numbers and, and you have your bank account. So it's, <laughs> you're right. You're it, it's pretty concrete. It's, it's very easy, right? Yeah. And so it's like, well, and, and there's some people who still overspend and then rack up their credit cards, mm-hmm. right? But it's just, it. and so we want to get really clear with our intention for A, why are we doing it? B, what are the parameters and what are the, what are like, why are, what, what are the habits that need to get created or what are the things that we have to do? So the parameters around which that we're going to create these boundaries and why it's important for us. Like, what are we actually trying to achieve at the end result of it? Mm Mm-hmm getting to your why and getting to your reasons behind it and how in the lifestyle that's going to go with whatever it is that you're saying, right? Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing because we'll say, okay, I want to save 10% this year or I want to spend 10% less. Okay. Why are we doing that? Well, because all of our, our friends are doing it. Okay. Well, what does that actually mean? <laughs> you know, right. uh, well, uh, like what does that mean for you? Mm-hmm. Because your 10% could look very different it could look like maybe not, um, you know, leaning off on the Starbucks once a week. Yeah. And that there you go. That's, that's your 10% for the year, right? So getting super clear and specific and intentional at creating your own self-boundaries, which will then give you a lot more freedom. Not only that, it, it lets you know you're keeping your word to yourself and it builds this self-confidence and self-trust that is just that's just fucking awesome oh, it's it's so juicy at the <laughs> yes. end of the day I mean mm-hmm. the self-trust that yeah. you have yeah. that's a big that's a huge thing 
a huge. Uh, that's been one I've been working on a lot. So I like it. I like it. So good. It's so good. You mentioned habits. Mm -hmm. So I would like to know what your daily habits are, your non-negotiables. Okay. Here's the thing. Waking up with a four-year-old and an 18-month-old. You have young kids, so. Yeah, I was on another um, (laughs) show and the the person uh, doesn't have children. And so they're like, tell us about your morning routine. And I'm like, um... (laughs) Yeah, so that's going to depend on the day. Uh, and, 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 you know, what meditations are you in currently? I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what we're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, yes. And so I, there's, you know, there's lit, lit, I, I actually even have a reel on my, on, you know, social and on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And literally it was, you know, it's a, there's a video getting captured of me, like trying to meditate with my kids. <laughs> and my one son is like getting up, you know, and he's like doing this thing in my lap. Like he's like, just, just bouncing in my lap. And my daughter, she's like walking around. But the, I think I saw it. But I the, think uh, so the intention is there. Okay. The intention is there. Yeah. And the music is playing. Uh, so whether yeah. it's a 10 minute guided and usually like if I'm by myself, I'll do a 10 minute guided, but my non-negotiables are, um, my, I make my chai in the morning and that's a sacred practice for me. I love that. And that Beautiful. is, that is intentional. And every, some days I'll do like rose, you know, petals. Some days I'll do ginger. Mm-hmm. Currently right now I'm in like a cardamom clove kind of deal. Well, I love that. You know, it's great. And then add a little it's bit cozy. of cinnamon. Mm-hmm. It's cozy. It's, and then I let it steep. Mm-hmm. Not only that, because if somebody's running around around me, because they've been getting up really early, like 5.45 recently. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a season. It's a season. I remember those days. Yeah. Uh, and so now you can't get them out of bed. Now it's like, <laughs> she's like irritated at noon. And I'm like, really? What? I don't, yeah. So. Weird. It's weird. Oh, wow. Wow. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's a complete opposite. <laughs> it, 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 it's just wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and and sometimes I'll just take it and I'll inhale it in as like yes. a full a full embodiment practice. And that's like a breathing practice and it's just It's a breathing practice. It's literally my intention of being mindful and savoring what I'm actually creating. So creating that is a Ooh, sacred routine. That's beautiful. Where it's not so like okay, I have to get my journal entry in cuz <laughs> You know, I'll lie to you and say, yeah, I'll, I'll do my journal writing. Don't lie. We, we just you want know, the real deal. I you mean, know? it happens, but it's not going to happen in the in the very first thing in the morning. Like, let the kids go off and do, you know, the yeah. things and get them, and, and, and then I can start my actual day. And sometimes you just sit there and stare at the wall for a minute, you know? like yeah. or Put your legs up the wall, too. That's what I've been Ooh, doing, too. I love doing I think it, it's a. I forget what that yoga pose is, but, you know, I do it's... Too. A, it's it's but a, I don't even, yeah. So yeah. Somebody it's correct us. your legs up the wall. That's yeah, what it's, we're it's the legs it. up the wall. Yes. Yes. Um, and then the other, the, the last thing though that we've been loving is mm-hmm. we'll bust out our Amazon, you know, our $20 Amazon uh, uh, microphones and we'll jam out and we'll dance to a song and, and sing. Nice. And I didn't realize that my four-year-old would get out of the uh, cocoa melon phase, which uh, for those who have really young kids, you definitely know what I'm talking about. But um, I don't know. Yeah, well, thank I God, know, thank God you know. One. Thank God, thank God you don't know because you don't want to know. It's it's like a yeah. It's it's all of the nursery rhymes. Oh, that's on. cute. But now he's he's liking like Taylor Swift, and I'm like, okay, I'll I'll move into that. Sure, yeah. we can sing that and dance to that we'll early that in the morning. Yeah, so we have a little dance party, and that's 
that, that's, that's important. Fun, getting that's that movement. One. And you're modeling stuff to them too. I mean, yeah. you know, I think it's important for people to hear this too from you because um, it, one of the notes I made when I was reading just your intake questions, you know, about sucky moments in life, I think people can probably even look at you or anybody on social media and we're just seeing, yeah, you posted that video, but a lot of people might just be looking at your talks or something and being like, or, or seeing like, oh, wow, she wrote a book. You know, she's got it figured out. She's got her shit down, you know? And like, I just, I, I just wrote a note on here that sometimes, you know, it just feels like other people don't have the chaos and don't have the mess and, uh, it can get discouraging. So I think it's really important that you share those things, you know, that like, yeah, it's, it's a wild ride. Oh, oh, it's such, I, I embrace the messy and I, cause I mean, I would get that a lot. Like, oh yeah, everything seems so perfect. I'm like, yeah. And uh, you, have you, do you know my backstory? <laughs> like I've been through it yeah. and it's still every day a, a learning lesson. Yeah. And, and I think that's the magic of even this book is it gives you permission. It gives you permission to suck, suck every day. And it also gives you permission <laughs> to to find the joy through <laughs> the suckiness of that suck, and maybe that you know the next day will will be different and easier, and that we can have fun with it in yeah. the process. Because you're learning from that day before too, so you're not operating from the same person that you were even 24 hours ago. You already learned, and you had a sucky experience, and you got stronger, and you're more resilient, and you're bouncing, <laughs> you're bouncing <laughs> off the walls, you're bouncing everywhere. You're resilient, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right so we're building that resilience and um this has been a beautiful conversation and I want to just say thank you so much because I I just I liked you from the moment that I connected on Instagram and I was like she's just she seems like a rad human being so oh my gosh yeah same I'm oh, like and I'm so you. glad that you're here and uh, like yeah I, I had I know a that we're here yeah that, yeah so more to come yeah more to come for sure is there anything as we're wrapping up that you want to a thought or something on your heart or anything that we mentioned that you just want to like emphasize before we go or share before we go? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, let's be brave to suck at something new and maybe it's not even something new. Maybe it's something that you wanted to try or that <laughs> fell to the wayside or you got off the bag wagon for, and you beat yourself up for, but maybe you can, maybe this conversation sparked you to, um, try it again. And because tomorrow is, is, is a new day. I hope so. I hope so. That's amazing. And thank you so much. And everyone can pre-order your book or, <clears throat> excuse me, you can go to thatsuckednowwhat.com, correct? Yes. And when and you do, oh, we've got <clears throat> juicy bonuses for your audience. For those listening. Oh, great. Yes. When you go to thatsuckednowwhat.com and order it uh, before the 31st to snag three bonuses. So the first one is we talked a lot of, about a lot of concepts around healing. Mm -hmm. And we created this beautiful 44-page in-depth healing journal. So it's a full manual. You get it for free. The digital, It's a digital version. It's beautiful. It's wow. color copy. I mean, every there's like 16 images inside of the book. Cool. And all of those are actually printed in color 
uh, on the workbook. So you actually go deeper. Oh, that's a, that's a picture of the the embodiment practice. I love it. But you go deeper into your self healing because many times when we're doing this kind of work, and if it's the first time or the 10th time, you know, there's a, we want to invoke a space that is actually just nourishing for you. So that's the whole goal. And, and not only that, it comes with my five day, uh, healing practice. So every day for five days, you get one of my meditations and, um, Basically, we start with healing our relationships. <laughs> I love it. And then we end with coming back to ourselves, uh, which, of course, it starts and begins with you. And then the third bonus is you get a ticket to the That Suck Now What a virtual launch party that happens at the end of the month. So, ah, yay. That is so cool. So I'm so excited to offer those. So I'll put the link in the show notes. And can you share how everyone else can find you and connect with you on Instagram and all that? Yeah. So Neetha Bushin on Instagram and uh, we'll link that in the show notes. That's N-E-E-T-A-B-H-U-S-H-A-N and come and listen to The Brave Table. Well, we're going to have Amy on as well. I know. I'm so honored to get to come on and and talk about things more, continue our conversation because you're so easy to talk to. Oh my gosh. We had so much fun. And we had so much fun. (laughs) So thank you so much. And and everyone go follow Nita. And thank you so much for being here today. I'm just, I'm, I'm always saying this, but I really believe that like what she was talking about when we voice things that has so much power and so much energy. So if you even thought of somebody during this podcast and you were like, you know what, this would resonate, send it to them, have a conversation about it, voice some things, get more vulnerable, put it out there, talk about your messes and your chaos. There is so much power and so much beauty and so much reclamation in that. And we can just keep rising as Nita was talking about. And as I always talk about too, keep rising up. And so thank you to you so much. Go get the book. That sucks. Now what? And of course, connect with me on Instagram at Real Amy Edwards or on TikTok at The Magic Babe or follow my newsletter and sign up at amyedwards.com. And of course, sign up for my courses as well. Ageless Mindset is now out. That is a free course, 30 minutes long. And Youthfulness Hack is up to pre-buy. So um, anyway, I just love you so much. Rate, review, subscribe, all the things. Share with a friend because that's like, that's connection and, and a lot of magic happens there. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you to our beautiful, wonderful, amazing guest, Nita, and congrats on your book. And, um, and thanks to everyone. Till next time. This has been the Amy Edwards Show from Overcome Studios. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you so much for being here. Sign up for our newsletter at amyedwards.com.